In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Emily. Very beautifully read as well, Ross. Um, if anybody does want any T-shirts that say, I only camp for Jesus, come and I will, I'm tempted to make them, Emily. We should get merch for new wine. I think that would, I think that would work well. Um, well, welcome along. It's so nice to see so many of you. Um, I'm a curate here, one of the curates, and I'm really excited to preach, kicking off our new series this morning. So um, we're going to be looking at the sermon series, How to Pray. Um, we felt like it was a timely thing to kind of look at w- what, what impact does prayer have in our lives? Um, how much do we pray? Do we enjoy prayer? Um, and we're going to be going along for the next four weeks looking at all these different aspects of prayer, basically. So um, get ready. I'm excited for this sermon series. So I'm kicking off asking the question, why prayer? Why do we do it? What's the significance and what's the importance of it? And I would say human beings pray a lot. All over the world, for thousands of years, people have been praying. It's not something new aged or modern. (laughs) It's always been. And I think inside all of us, every human being, there is a desire, a longing to pray, to connect with something else, something above us, something beyond One person in every six bows towards Mecca and prays five times a day. Um, Jews, uh, thousands of Jews stand in Jerusalem, don't they, wailing at the wall with thousands of tiny handwritten rolled up prayers stuffed between each brick. Apparently one in four pray the Lord's Prayer at least once a year. I'm not sure where these stats are from, but that's exciting. One in four pray the Lord's Prayer once a year. And so prayers are echoed all over the world, different languages, religions. Some ways it's a thing that unites us. It's a, a human desire to connect with something beyond us. From hospital corridors to noisy football pitches Our pleas to our higher being often take the form of a prayer, don't they? Whether or not we know who we're aiming it towards, there's something very human about prayer. The Jewish theologian Rabbi Heschel says this, prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. And as Christians, we believe that prayer is the greatest gift that we have, isn't it? That prayer enables us to connect with, to share our most inmost thoughts with God, to intercede, to pray for change, for peace, for justice. Prayer enables us to connect and come close with God to kneel at the foot of the cross with total access. Slightly mind-blowing, isn't it? Prayer is a total game-changer. And we all do it, right? Maybe some more than others. But as I said, we felt it's significant in this season to stop and pause and kind of look inwards and say, like, how is our prayer life? We're going to be looking at this um, book by Pete Gregg, 
Pete Gregg's The Prayer Guy, if anyone knows him. So this book is um, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. I keep getting confused. I keep saying a normal guide for simple people, and then people get offended. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter about the title. It's a great book. Um, so if you wanted to purchase it, it's available in all good bookshop stores. I'm not on commission, but we're going to be working through kind of the contents of this book over the next few weeks. So if you did want to buy it, would recommend. I think often prayer becomes kind of another thing on the to-do list. I know it does for me. How many of you, as soon as I started talking about prayer, instantly thought, oh, I should pray more? Or, oh, I'm really rubbish at praying? It's so easy, isn't it, to defer to the prayers, the prayer ninjas, the intercessors, the ones that seem more qualified. But prayer is not a spectator sport. It's not a nice additional extra to our life. I think it's crucial to our walk with God. I think if Jesus did it, we should probably be doing it too. And we all know those people, don't we, that we, like, we think, wow, they're really good prayers. I was having a conversation this week about, um, with a friend about two people that we really admire and we were saying that they're like Christmas cake, steeped in brandy, but actually steeped in the Holy Spirit. Do you see where I'm going here? So in tune with God that it just oozes out of them, that there's something different and special about being with them because you know their prayer life, their walk with God is just so foundational to who they are. Maybe you can think of those people that you've connected with over the years where you're just like, oh, there's something different. Something different about how you pray. There's something different about your walk with God. And I want to know more of it. We basically ended the conversation by saying when we grow up, we want to be like them. So why? Why is prayer important? Why is it something that we think is as crucial? Why is it something that we're looking at for the next four weeks? As I was preparing, I had these kind of three different areas that I thought, actually, I want to think more about this. The first of is the wonder of prayer. It's kind of a mind-blowing, isn't it, that we literally get to talk to the creator. The beauty of prayer, that we get to learn and listen to God, that we have intimacy with him through prayer. And lastly, the impact of our prayers we get to work with God to see his will come to pass. That he would long to speak to us and that we get to pray and intercede for the things of heaven. Prayer has kind of blown my mind this week. When you stop and think about the gravity of it, it's huge, isn't it? And so let's start with our reading. The wonder of prayer the Lord's Prayer, and we read it, Roz read it earlier, it's in Luke 11 if you want to go back and look. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he crafted this memorable, like, melodic prototype, a way that's easily remembered. And note that the thing that they asked him to teach them was prayer. In the book Pete Gregg goes, they didn't ask, like, say, can you make me a better preacher? Can you make me better at admin? 
They were like, teach me how to pray. I clearly saw the importance, the impact, the priority that it was for Jesus in his life. That was a place of connection, of, you know, first thing in the morning, that's what he was doing. It was home for Jesus, of being with his father. And the Lord's Prayer is words that we actually get to join in with. It's not a, a, a rule book. It's a, a beautiful way of saying, okay, God, I want to join in with you. I want to join in with Christians all over the world that have said this prayer for years. And I think we can use it as both a model and a map. The Lord's Prayer serves as this like prototype of prayer. It's condensed into almost like poetry form, but it teaches us all these different elements of prayer. I think it's a map. The The Lord's Prayer guides us as we express all these things that are going on inside our head and hearts. Each line can be applied personally. And conversation can go forward from these beautiful lines that we see. It really does teach us how to pray, how to ask, how to come towards God, how to ask him to, you know, show me what you see, God, to pray for the things that we need. It's all wrapped up in this neat prayer, isn't it? And again, the thing that has blown my mind is that we come first and say, Abba, Father. That we know God as Father. That the creator of heaven and earth, King of kings, Lord of lords, invites us to say, Dad. (laughs) Invites us to start our prayer, not with religious words, but simply, Father. That That signifies the start of everything else. There's a great story in one of the Alpha films that you've probably seen it, but there's a a cartoon story of a soldier going out to war. And he suddenly receives news that his um, father back home had passed away, leaving his mother completely on her own to fend for herself. And so the soldier knows he needs to return home. He knows that he has to be the one to step up and provide for their family. And so he goes to his superiors and explains the situation and says, you know, I have to go. And they basically laugh him away. There's no chance you're going to get released. The only way that would happen is if you could talk to the president. And so the soldier leaves feeling totally helpless, totally at loss. The impossible task just seems too big. And as he's sitting on this street crying and just looking really sorry for himself. This little boy toddles up to him and asks, why why are you crying? And so he explains to the boy, knowing that he probably doesn't get it, but explains anyway. And so this boy goes, I can help, takes hold of his hand and drags him forward. This little boy takes him right up to the president's like headquarters walks in straight past the guards through the front door, down the hallway, straight into the president's office. The little boy goes, Dad, this man needs to get home. 
Can we help him? Can we release him to go? You see, this little boy knew who his father was. He knew that he had access, that he could walk straight in, that there wasn't airs or graces, just simple, Dad, can we help? And those of you that have had the joy of being with children, you know they ask for the most ridiculous things. They, they ask boldly, you know, they, they know where their next meal is coming from. You know, a lot of our children are like, can I have a sandwich? It's because they know what access they have. Sometimes we have to see things through the eyes of children, don't we? And when we come to prayer with this mindset of father, surely it alters how we pray. Instead of it being a list of things that we want or need, it becomes a conversation. We know that we're loved, that we have access, that we don't need to put on any kind of pretense when we're with God, that we have total mission to come just as we are. Now that's mind-blowing, right? And how often do we do that? think we've got to have it all together before we come to Jesus. Jesus' prayer life was the ultimate example. In John 5, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will also be amazed. You see, prayer directs us. When we spend time with God, it centers us in Christ. It reminds us of our identity, of who God says we are, and it reminds us of our purpose, to simply love Jesus and serve him to ask God, where are you at work and how can I join in? If Jesus prays like this, then so do we. You see, that's the beauty of prayer, that it enables this intimacy. As I said before, it's not just one-sided, but God speaks. He wants you to know how loved you are. He wants scripture to speak and words to jump out the page. He wants you to have this connection. And I know for me, I'm so guilty of sitting down to pray and reeling off this list of things that would be quite nice if it happened. And then off I go with the rest of my day. I think the challenge is to wait long enough to hear God speak, isn't it? to not rush prayer like another task, but to take it seriously, to become expectant for what God might say to us. I was struck by reading Romans this week, once again about the spirit groaning on our behalf. I'm gonna read it out now, this is from Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, 
the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for all us. Those moments in our life where we are left without words, we don't know what to say, how to be. And yet the promise of scripture is that the Spirit is interceding. We know that Jesus is sat at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. It's this that we're joining in with. Can you imagine getting to hear the prayers that Jesus prays over you? How much that would change your perspective on everything. How much that would transform you. Getting to hear a glimpse of how Jesus sees you. I think the beauty of prayer is often not praying at all, but simply being with Jesus. Being near him being attentive to his spirit. Prayer is powerful. And so what impact does prayer have? We believe that prayers make a difference, right? That all of the beauty and wonder of prayer is amazing, but... What happens when those prayers don't get answered? I'm sure we have all experienced the crushing reality of unanswered prayer. It is inevitable. It's often part of our walk with God, of the healing that didn't happen, of the person that didn't get saved, or the situation that's not going how we'd hoped for. And often in prayer, we don't always get the answer we hope, do we? And I think it's important to remember that we don't know what God knows. Thank goodness. His ways are higher than our ways. We can't see what he sees. And so when it doesn't go the way we want, what's our choice? How do we choose to respond to that? How do we trust in God, knowing that he is a good and faithful father? I was thinking that Mary must have prayed for Jesus not to die, for there to have been another way for her son to be saved and not spared. And yet she didn't know what we know now. She didn't know the plans and purposes she didn't see necessarily what God saw. And it's that classic question, isn't it? Why does bad things happen to good people? Will we ever have a satisfactory answer for that question? I don't know. 
And I don't know if I'm going to be able to give you one today. It's a huge topic. I think it's important to highlight that I think God does not bring pain or suffering. That he is not some kind of evil genius inflicting horrible things on us. I believe there is evil forces at work. That we are part of a battle, a spiritual battle. That we live in a fallen world with free will, with our own sin and humanity and how much we easily mess up. The list goes on and on, but I have to choose to believe that God is good in the midst of the unanswered prayer that God is sovereign. In the reading that Ros read earlier in Luke 11, it talks about God giving good gifts to his children. He's not trying to catch us out. And so maybe this is a huge topic for you. We won't have all the time to unpack it here, but I want to urge us to to do the work in life groups, in community, of, of asking that painful question. What happens when our prayers don't get answered? Because this has got to be a safe space to express those doubts, to ask the really tough stuff, to grapple with it together as a community. But I think when we pray to God... We're seeking his will first. We're saying, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're interceding for God to bring about his ways. We get to work with God to see things come to pass, to see chains broken, to see freedom reign, to see people be healed and saved and transformed. And I wholeheartedly believe that even when the prayers don't go the way I'd hoped. In 1 Corinthians, it says we're co-workers with God in service. I believe our prayers make an impact, that God is moved by them, that he hears them and intercedes with us, that it's not some pointless exercise. I believe that we have been given authority to pray with power, to pray with the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be timid that God has given us the authority to pray, to intercede. And so what would it look like for each of us to grow in the knowledge of that authority? To be a church that takes prayer really seriously, that commits time and energy to praying for the church, for praying for a move of the spirit, for praying for our community and friends and family. I think it has to start with us not thinking it's a job for other people. We can't outsource our prayer life. I think it has to start with us taking ownership. Even on the days where that extra half an hour in bed would be really nice even when we don't feel like it, even when there's a million other things we could be doing? How are we making prayer a priority in our life? And so as this week, as we ponder on the beauty of prayer, on the mind-blowing fact that we get to have this relationship with God, as we journey together through the hard reality of unanswered prayer, 
Maybe we need to take a moment now and just be still and express all those things that are running around in your head right now. The questions that you don't feel are answered. The joy and beauty of prayer that maybe you feel excited about again. Or maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're just like, I'm, I'm just not excited about prayer. <laughs> just not. Maybe 